Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, we're going to be talking to one of our great Open to Hope writers today. And we're going to talk about becoming a grief warrior because she certainly is that. And we'll talk about what that means. So Heidi, would I introduce our guest? Sure. So we'll be talking today, Mom, with Catherine McNulty. And Catherine became a grief warrior after the death of her infant son, Jackson. Today, she is a coach, speaker, and author, and she writes for Open to Hope. She brings light to the darkness of grief by using over 10 years of experience to serve her online community. And she is the author of the book, A Grief Journal, Finding Hope, Love, and Grace in Grief. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back with all of you. It's great to have you on. And uh, I think about you having a child in the uh, ICU. Your baby never got out of the ICU, right? Correct, correct, yeah. So it was the neonatal intensive care, so NICU. But yeah, so he was there for six weeks um, and it was very up and down. We were, you know, through the whole thing, we were very hopeful um, that he would survive, um, but it's always touch and go, um, you know, in, in the ICU of any kind. And ultimately he, he didn't win his battle. Um, and so we did, um, we left the hospital without a baby. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Such a, such a touching traumatic thing, particularly when everybody, the staff, the baby, you are all, you know, right there pitching for this little life. Well, yeah. And, and like I said, you know, you just don't think that, you know, even though the doctors were telling us, you know, how touch and go it was and what his chances were like, you just can't, you can't fathom that it would happen to you, right? These are the things that happen to other people. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it was very devastating. Um, and, you know, and what I found in my 10 years is that I'm not the only one who's had that experience, right? Um, but it does, it, it throws you for a loop and it's very unexpected and everything about your life changes, um, you know, from the moment of the loss. Right. So you go home and, and you've got the baby stuff ready. How does that all go? Yeah. So, you know, I had a, I had a really, we had been staying um, at the Ronald McDonald house. And so I had not been at my house for six weeks. We had not gone back there. And it was a very surreal experience because I got home and I remember just, you know, dropping to the floor um, when I got into my house because I couldn't believe that this was my life and everything that I had worked for and everything I wanted, my home and my career and everything that was that was essentially left for me no longer mattered. And yeah, there was the room upstairs, you know, with his crib all decorated in monkeys and we were, you know, we were ready. And so it took me a while. I mean, I, I, I saved the room 
Um, and I just kind of closed the door. Um, there were a lot of things that we had returned. Um, and, you know, cause you don't think about any of that. You don't right. think about any of that. So we returned a lot, but there were some things I held on to because I did want to hold on to hope. I wanted to hold on to the fact that, you know, I want, I still wanted a child, right. I still wanted to be a mother. And that, that pull was so strong, um, you know, that, that I kept going, that I kept going, but yeah, but it was, it was a fight. <laughs> it was a fight. You know, you mentioned being a grief warrior. That's where it starts. Mm -hmm. for well, sure. well, and, and Catherine, the thing about your losses, you don't only lose Jackson, but you lose the future you thought you were going to have. And, well, and, and that's, that's hard. That's a lot. It was, you know, I, I had lost my future and then, but in some ways too, I had lost sort of all of the meaning, right? Everything that I had, you know, invested my life into, you know, my career and my home and the importance of my 401k and the things that, you know, I, that used to carry a lot of weight for me. Um, like they didn't, they didn't mean the same anymore. They weren't important anymore. So, yeah. So in addition to, to the, you know, I lost the future and I didn't, and I didn't know what, you know, the past had no meaning either. And so you, you know, I mean, I have this very real image of just standing in my hallway thinking like, I don't even know where to start, where so, so to So on that note, I'm thinking, I'm guessing my mother's thinking that, wh where do you start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you start one, one day at a time. And I mean, at first you just have to survive. Um, and, you know, and we all know about, you know, the shock that happens at the beginning because you can't even believe, you know, what you've experienced. Um, and it, you know, and I tried to, I tried to avoid, I tried to avoid my grief, right? I decided to, you know, I tried to, I stayed home for a week, you know, we had a funeral and then I was like, well, I have nothing else to do. I might as well go back to work. And so I, so I tried to go back um, and act as if, you know, everything was okay and just push and, through. And the people didn't know your baby or your child. They no, I mean, I, well, I did on your child. Right, exactly. I mean, I did have the experience that I was pregnant. I was in sales. And so I had an entire customer base who knew that I left and went out on maternity leave and came back. And so they all assumed that I had a healthy, happy baby. Wow. And, and having to say over and over again, well, you know, he didn't make it. Um, and saying that over and over again to customers was was not pleasant. <laughs> and I finally, I finally wised up and I had somebody that I worked with sort of preemptively go and say, like, please tell them that my baby has not survived, but it's like, let's not talk about it because I found myself comforting them because they felt horrible when they asked, they had no idea that that, that was the response that I was going to give them. Right. They assumed I'd say, Oh yes, a happy, healthy baby. And so people aren't ready to hear, well, you know, he didn't make it. Um, and so he died and we had a funeral and people don't know how to respond. You know, this is kind of interesting because um, on the other hand, being able to tell people that you've, my husband died recently and uh, a year and a half ago and being able to tell people that he died has been helpful for me but i can see if it was over and over and over in a business situation with customers that would be a whole different matter 
Well, right. And, you know, and here I was in the point where like I needed to be taking care of myself, right? In the beginning, you know, you ask where you start, well, you have to take care of yourself. And so I was in a position where I was really needing my own self-care. But what I found was that because of the type of person I am, I was worried about them. So when they said, you know, when they asked and I had to explain to them, they felt horrible. And so I, you know, so I did a lot of like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, everything's fine. I'm going to be great. You know, I'm going to get through Like, so I was comforting them. And so that was just, yeah, that yeah. was interesting. That's interesting, isn't it, Heidi? I hadn't it, thought it of is. that other aspect. But I like how Catherine got somebody that she trusted and knew and said, can you please go and tell people? Because we're always saying on the shows, look, if you feel like you can't do something with grief, get somebody else that can help you. And that's exactly what you did. You brought somebody else in to help navigate these conversations and to tell people. Well, yes. And then, you know, other times, you know, I would try to be preemptive to say, okay, how am I, because you know what people are going to say. And so yeah. for you as the person who's grieving, knowing what your response is going to be, I think is really helpful. Um, and, and what are the words that you're going to say? Mm. Um, and so I often will try that out with some of my clients and say, okay, here's the scenario. Here's how they're going to respond. What do you want to say um, in that? Because we just get ourselves in these uncomfortable situations and it's more painful, right? So the idea is, to, you know, how do you make it less painful for you as the one who's grieving um, and less about <laughs> like other people and their feelings? Because you can put those on the back burner for a, for a little bit. I like that idea. Look at how you're feeling, because I know sometimes as life goes on with the grieving, uh, sometimes you, someone will ask you, how are you? And, and then you stop and think, well, should I tell them the real thing today? Or should I, <laughs> do I really have time? you know or did they have or do, where do i want to go when your brother died heidi how how was it for you i mean how do you how did you respond to friends i i think that you know what catherine is saying is true i think you've got to look at the person you're taught you're telling and you know i think it it like you know that some people when you tell them you're gonna to have to take care of them okay. um and sometimes you say you're fine because you don't want to have to manage the other person's response so it's like it's a protective factor for you it's like, I'm not really fine, but I don't want to have to deal with this person and take care of them right now because I don't have the energy. So. so Catherine, did you stay in the same job or did you move on to something different? How did it change your life? Yeah, so so it did. Um, so I did end up um, about a year, you know, for the first year, I mean, I didn't change anything because I really was just trying to hold on. Um, and I had a job that I knew how to do. Um, and so with the support of some, some really good colleagues, I stayed in that role, but then I needed something different. And so I did, I shifted, I stayed with my company, but shifted into a new role. Uh, and I think that that was helpful because then it gave me a new subset of people to interact with. And, um, so I think that that was really helpful. And then throughout my career. So today, um, I also, I continue working. I have a career and I found in the most amazing group of people with a culture that is second to none. And for me, that was really important because the, 
the small stuff, as we say, becomes so unimportant and so trivial. And so now I've found people to work with who have heart, who get it, right? Who have, um, you know, and like my when my boss was saying, well, we hire people with emotional intelligence. I was blown away, <laughs> right? And I said, well, this is, you know, these are the people that I want to work with. Um, and so they've been true to form. And so, yeah, it's changed a lot. And I've begun looking for, you know, over the years, I looked for, for more meaning. You know, what are the things that I really like? What are the things I enjoy about my job? What are the things that drive me nuts? Um, and I moved away from those, right? And, yeah. and that's all, you know. Yeah, finding meaning, I love that because that's one of the things that is talked a lot about now about how to find meaning. I mean, it, it, your life starts again after the death. I mean, you begin kind of a new life. And, and finding meaning in that life. Were you able to get pregnant again? Did you? I know you said that was your wish. Yes, so I did. So I have an eight-year-old little guy now. His name is Mason Peter. So I did have to go through IVF. So I have all the fertility experience and the, the craziness that that is. Um, but I did manage to, um, to get pregnant again. And I was on bed rest the entire pregnancy. And, you know, and I often say my grief journey, you know, really, really started when I had to go back to work after my son Mason was born. Um, because at that point I had very severe panic attacks of leaving him because I was scared to death that the same thing was going to happen. I mean, I basically was worried that, that I wouldn't, I would leave and then he would be gone too, like Jackson was, right? So, so that invoked a lot of panic. And so I got to the point where, you know, I had to seek out therapy. I had to really deal with my grief because I, I was at the point where I couldn't function. I couldn't go uh, to work. Right? Stop for one second and tell me, I just want to get a time frame. How long mm -hmm. was, did you, did you get pregnant after the baby died? So I had Mason in um, May of 2013. Um, and so that was about a year and a half after Jackson had died. Uh -huh. and, you, and you started, but you had in vitro earlier on, obviously, before that, how long? Well, so, yeah, so, well, I got to work right away because I was 40. Um, and I had the decision to make, you know, and again, I didn't have the luxury of taking a lot of time. And I just... I just remembered thinking to myself, like, do I want this to be the end of the story? And I was so sad. And I said, well, for me personally, I need to do everything that I can do to try to have my own child, um, because that was important to me too. And I said, and if I try everything I can, and then it doesn't work, that I can live with. Um, and so, yeah, so I jumped right into... I jumped right into to IVF um, and said, what are my options and how do I do this? Um, so I didn't have a lot of time. Catherine, did you, I, I've, we've talked with other women who felt that their loss was minimized because it was a baby. Did you ever feel like people were saying, well, at least you can have another child. At least you can get pregnant. At least he was little, at least X, Y, and Z. It sounds like those were thoughts that you had or that people said, or, you know, yes, it's, it's very common. I mean, and I do my very best to try to educate people as much as possible. <laughs> 
Um, because yeah, I mean, people do say that. And, and, and when, I mean, luckily, you know, for me, Jackson was a physical baby, right? So that I had pictures, but people didn't meet him. So that made it hard. Um, but, but oftentimes, you know, with miscarriage and things, you know, those mothers, they don't have the luxury because like you said, yes, people minimize the heck out of it and they don't, and they do, they say, they say things that they think are going to be helpful. Um, but they, you know, they just don't know. And I feel like, you know, that's, that's an education. I feel a responsibility to educate people on that now. Yes. Like anything that starts with at least is a bad statement. Like, do not use those words. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to fast forward because it sounds to me like and I, I'm going to take a little risk saying this to you. You put your grief on hold a little bit to mm-hmm. have another baby. So yes. then you have that baby and suddenly you are full blown into the yes. whole thing. Yes. And so that's where I really say that's where, you know, I had to, I really had to deal with my grief Um, because it just, you know, grief needs a place to go. Um, You have to get your grief out. And if you don't, it will show up and rear its ugly head, right? Whether it's depression, more depression or anxiety or, you know, any of the addictions that are not good for any of us, it will come out. Um, And did that surprise you that suddenly you got hit in the face with this whole thing? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, but, but I knew that, you know, I knew I had to do something because it was, it was forced, right? I mean, I didn't have a choice, but to figure out how to get out of it. Um, you know, so I try to help people now say, okay, like you need to, like, this needs to be dealt with, or it will come out later. I and what, was, what was the turning point for you? It sounds to me like this is when you decided you had to be a grief warrior. Yeah, it was when I had to go back to work and the panic was so strong. Um, And so I, that was the turning point. And I went to a therapist and I said, look, I don't want to talk about my childhood. I don't want to like go through all of that. Like I, I need some tools. I need some tools that I can use so that I can function. Um, And, and that's what started all. I mean, I found I found somebody who, you know, I found the right person and she said, okay, I'll give you tools. And can I ask you one thing? Do you remember a specific turning point where you really said, I've got to, I've got to do something. It was when I, well, I knew, I knew that, you know, I had the six week date, right? Cause you can stay at home with your, with your baby for six weeks. And as I got closer to that, like that's when the panic really started. Well, that's that's kind of interesting, Catherine, because Jackson died at six weeks, didn't he? Yes. So yeah. it's it's no wonder that you, whether consciously or unconsciously, at six weeks, you know, it's just a coincidence. You know, you had to go back to work, and then you panicked because what if this your other son something happens to him? Yes, yes, and and you know, interestingly, and now in reflection. I had gone to support a support group immediately after Jackson had died. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what you do. And people said, well, you go to a support group. And I did have a moment like you're talking about Gloria, where um, the person who was the facilitator, she brought in a birthday cake cause it was the five year anniversary of her son being gone. And 
I was new. I, I didn't know what was going on, but she brought it in. She like lit a candle. She was weeping, weeping heavy tears. And it had been five years out for her. And I did have that moment saying that is not going to be me five years from now. I think that's where the warrior kicked in because I said, oh, no, like this is not I am not going to be like this five years from now and be this broken. Um, there has to be another way. I didn't know what it was at the time. And it took me, you know, it took me a year and a half before I really started to dive in. But I knew at that moment that I was going to figure something out. Wow. Yeah. And it takes time, right? You're talking about a year and a half for you to really yeah. dive in. And yeah. And what are some of the things that you did for yourself? What are, I, I'm curious, this um, therapist said she'd give you tools. What were some of your favorites? Yeah. So, well, so I think, I think one of the things that I teach people the most is that we think that we're going to get all of this external we're going to find things externally to fix us, right? To, to fix our brokenness or get us through our grief. And the reality is, is that most of it's internal work. Um, so the things that she, she did for me was we went back and said, you know, like we had talked about my, you know, my work didn't have the meaning that it once had. Right. I had to start looking and say, okay, what do I really value? What is important to me? Um, and so I did, you know, a, what's called a value exercise where you look and you say, what are all the things that you value in your life? Um, you know, I started with that. I started researching, you know, some of the, the, the people who talk about, you know, these emotions, um, guilt and blame and shame. You know, everybody knows Brene Brown now. Um, but back then, 10 years ago was when she was brand new. Right. So starting to research her work. Um, I do, you know, a lot of journaling. Um, there's a woman um, named Julia Cameron who did this stream of consciousness journaling. So it's first thing in the morning when you're when you're about to wake up, um, you just do a mental brain dump of everything that's in your brain and you jot it down on paper. So it's not it's not like journaling where you're thinking about what you're going to write and then you write it down. This is just preemptively just dumping onto the page. That was super helpful. For me, a lot of writing was something that was that was helpful. But it's just, you know, and just going through the day and saying, what are the things that make me feel a little bit lighter? Like I really, I was a creative person and I had stopped being creative and I had given up all the things that I used to do because, you know, I had a career now and I was working. And so I went back to that and I, you know, found a love of photography and, you know, I made these, you know, photo cards. I don't know. I just spent a year making photo cards that I have stacked up now that I haven't done a lot with, but it was just the creative outlet, um, you know, so doing those kind of things and then doing, you know, different types of, of, you know, personal development type work. Right. So, I mean, a lot of what what I've done is adapted personal development to grief, um, because, like I said, it's all it's all understanding who you are and what's important to you and and realizing that you can create your life. Right. Ooh, I so, love that. Realizing you know, that you can create your life. Yeah. Yeah. And most recently, I don't know if you've followed the work I've been studying Joe Dispenza 
if you know who he is. He was a chiropractor turned neurobiologist, um, but does a lot of the brain work and understanding the thoughts that we put in our heads and how you know, you can visualize things that you want to happen and you can create the things that you want to happen. Um, you know, stepping out of this, you know, victim mentality, you know, that, that grief or life or COVID or whatever it is that happens to be, it's not happening to you, right? And being able to say, well, how is it happening for you? And how can you create what it is that you want? Because I think we have more power and more control than than we think we do, right? We can't I love control. That. Yeah, I love that. important things. Well, tell us how we can get your journal and where you are on the internet and all that. Yes, yeah, so so this is my journal. This is a grief journal. So this is on Amazon. Um, it's called Finding Hope, Love, Grace, and Grief in Grief um, because you need you need love. Um, you, that's why you're grieving is because of love. But you first need hope. Um, and then you need a lot of grace cause you gotta be gentle. Um, so I have my YouTube channel, which is grief inspired, um, which has been growing. So I encourage everybody to check that out. I do have a Facebook group. That's a private group, um, for people who want to share. That's also, um, you can just search grief inspired for that. Um, so yeah, so that's what I've been, been spending my time doing. And so there's a lot of tools on my YouTube channel. So, you know, there's, there's lots of things. Guilt is a big one, right? So I have a lot of tools and videos um, on how to release guilt. Um, that's, you know, people, people really struggle with that. So I think that's, that's the number one thing people look at and just different tools, things to try um, to see what works for you. Cause not everybody's the same. Uh, so I feel like it's my job to bring the tools um, and then you can try them out and see what works best. Your for tools you. for grief or warrioring. I love it. Well, thank you so much for writing for Open to Hope and for being on our show today, Catherine. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. And thank you for helping people find hope, love, and grace in their grief. Thank you, Heidi. And thanks everybody for joining us on this show today. And as always, Heidi, and I want to remind you, that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.